0: Hello, and welcome to year two of the Apprentice Track podcast. We're excited to be back as we continue to chat through what it means to be a follower of Jesus today. We kick things off with a conversation with Brian Roundsen from Garden Church in California. This term, we're really wanting to press in to prayer, and this was a really helpful conversation to kick things off. Hope you enjoy. Good evening brian good evening dunks is that permissible uh just for you i appreciate that. not everybody can call me that but
1: i know i felt honored when i was allowed you into the, that club one
0: of the few uh thanks for joining us and um, such a privilege i um, um would you mind just introducing yourself quite a yeah. lot of the guys will have met you at some point but
1: there might be a number who haven't as well yeah Um, and if you hear my, either of my children in the background, I'm actually in their room, hence the decoration. My name is Brian. Um, I am a father of Evie and Jude and my lovely wife, Jenny. Um, I'm a pastor at a church called the garden in Long Beach, California. And I've had just a real, had the real privilege over the last, um, 10 years. Well, the last maybe 16 years with a mentor pastor of mine, but the last 10 years of just Really, to dive into conversations around formation and how people grow and what the depth of emotional health and spiritual journey. Um, And that's kind of what I get to spend some of my time doing. It's a real privilege and honor. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, that's what we're about here as well. Um, And we are just kicking off a couple of months, really spending some time to think and practice and chat about prayer yeah yeah
1: what would your sort of definition of prayer Prayer be yeah it's one of those really difficult things uh because we carry we all carry our baggage and our disappointments and our fondness and all the things and and you can you probably it's one of those words where there's not a single definition when someone talks about it someone has a different thing in the mind when you bring it up um but i i really love the simplicity of saying uh mark sayer says prayer is uh stepping into god's presence and i love that because there's um there's a it's it's an awareness piece it's as much about attention as anything but um the the definition kind of that I've really grown to love is that it's an encounter with God in love. And I love that prayer is an encounter with God in love. And I love that because the classical definition of prayer was it's an opening of the mind and heart to God. And I feel like that's too one-sided. It's about what I'm doing. I'm opening my heart and my mind to God, which is absolutely a part of it. Um, but I think the convergence of those kind of three things, it's, the reality that I'm just stepping into the presence of God. I'm noticing where God is moving, speaking, leading, but also I'm opening my mind and heart. I'm involved in the process, but I really love the idea of encounter because um, when you say prayer is an encounter with God in love, it means you're turning your attention towards him and what he might be speaking, saying, doing, uh, leading you into, Um, but you realize it's, it's a relationship, right? And it's an encounter It's an encounter between persons who have equal possibility of showing up and being present. And that changes that dynamic of prayer, um, as opposed to what so many of us have come to be taught at some point that it's really, it's trying to get God's attention. It's trying to get him to notice me. It's trying to either that it's like, God, I need to pray for these things interceding or praying for these things. And uh, I think it pulls back a little bit and says, yes, that's an absolute necessity to prayer. Your desires, your needs, the needs of the world, that's all a place where prayer can come together. But at the center of it is a relationship between you and God. Um, And relationships have these. So if you just say it's this beautiful experience where it's all, you know, Mm -hmm. it's all just golden, you know, whatever. When I pray for my daughter at night, I always say, like, like surround her with angels. I, I pray just cause she can have bad dreams. Mm-hmm. And I always say like, I just pray that she has like the sweet dreams of rainbows and, and friendship. And, you know, I'm just speaking all this like lighthearted and that is prayer, right? Friendship and light, but it's also like the depths, right? The Psalms. So that was a longer answer than you wanted, but that's kind of my working understanding. I love that. Yeah. And what's, what does it look like at the moment for you?
0: What's your prayer yeah. like? Light coming yeah. in these crazy times
1: that we're yeah in. i've had you know in six months it feels like i've had um a wide-ranging experience of uh early on i would say that i had uh a lot of almost like extemporaneous these moments of just like god's presence was so overwhelming in i would be listening to worship at home you know and i've led worship for a long time but you know, I realized how little I worshipped in my house, outside of preparing yeah. for leading worship, just singing along. You know, my wife both we both lead worship and or have it periods in time. And I found myself, you know, brought to my knees in the kitchen making dinner by God's nearness, and just felt like, oh my gosh, I I have nothing to do but to lay down and just worship Him, and that was part of my prayer life. Or wake up early and just be overwhelmed with God's presence. Um, and I've had really hard, like, like quite honestly, where the hell are you in all of this, God? You know, the tension of having young kids in a small place, the tension of, um, you know, we've had people in, in our community pass away through COVID, in COVID, due to COVID. Um, and the needs of our community, the needs like, you know, the, the depths of crying out. And I think the stabilizing force and all of that was just showing up, you know, that's what all the classic encouragement is. Um, you have to show up, show up regularly and show up often. And, um, so for me, that's a rhythm of getting up, mostly trying to get up before my kids. Cause they are just pushing that boundary earlier and earlier. So now it's like, if I don't get up at five, five thirty, I don't have any space and I'm bad at that. But I found my abundant attention in my day when I ground myself in just beginning, before I get out of bed, praying Psalm 23, right? Praying Psalm 24, praying Psalm 1, one of the many Psalms that have just been a life force to me um, in the midst of this. Uh, in some ways, the Psalms have become training for me in prayer in this season in a way that I they haven't before. Mm-hmm. Um, So my prayer life looks like that before i get out of bed i i will pray one of the psalms um i'll do some breath prayer where i'm just trying to attune before i even leave my bed to what god might have for me in the day and that's about calming anxiety being more present to him letting the words of scripture the words of those who've been praying for millennium before us um, become my natural language my natural way of responding to my day in my world Um, And then, you know, I soak in scripture and in in the mornings. And um, and so I I really love actually what Trinity has done. Uh, I've kind of organized my days around abiding prayer in the morning. So breath prayer, you know, stillness, reading a psalm reciting a song, soaking in scripture. So abiding, soaking, contending. So in the middle of the day, we stop and we, you know, we intercede for our city. I pray for my family. I pray for um, our community and then the needs of the city. Uh, And then I do the prayer of examine. And that has been an anchor for me, a day of way of remembering where God's been near. And, and the thing about building that trellis, that stability is regardless of how good it feels, there's something that holds me and roots me to God's presence and nearness, even when he feels absent, you know, um, so I would say I've had the range of all of those things. Right now, it's much more psalm. I pray a lot of psalms, um, a lot more of that crying out. Yeah. And just
0: almost to take a step back, um, can you compare what your life, what basically what difference does it make But to your, to your everyday normal life? When you do pray, can you compare that to... Seasons where you've not been praying and and what's been this sort of contrast?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, I think part of it is um, my attention. I find that, um, you know, Ronald Reuhauser says, if I haven't prayed before a meal, I've missed the meal, right? Like there's an attention that happens Mm -hmm. to the gift that it is that you don't have when you you wait for it and you anticipate it and you initiate the thing. And so when I don't initiate my day with an awareness of, regardless of how angry, frustrated, hurt, or joyous, exuberant, vibrant my life is, or my internal life is, I can depend and lean on God's faithfulness. And so when I don't do that, what i find is i become more and more myopic my world becomes more and more about me Mm -hmm. and the problem is like compassion requires your head to be picked up so whether it's compassion to my wife to jenny or to my kids or to my neighbor i find that my eyes the more they grow and especially in a time like covid man um where it's so easy to just tune out and tune into yourself and really even become indifferent to the things around you, I find that the more that I can lift my eyes to God's goodness and let that be the foundation, genuinely the foundation. Um, so that's one just clear aspect. I've noticed that I have eyes that look outward way more easily. Um, I have more trust, I have more patience, you know, I'm entrusting my life to Jesus, right? That's genuinely, that's what the gospel is. It's not merely forgiveness of sins. It's not merely a ticket, you know, to a place after we die, but it's an awareness of entering in life. This is what eternal life is, that they might know you, right? Or know me, as John says. Yeah. And um, I think yeah, I, I'm just more aware of it. And so I feel a, a huge, now prayer, the purpose of prayer is not a better life. The purpose of prayer is intimacy with God and a union with him and encounter with him. And so I also just find that like, I have the capacity to know God and and to be known by God and to be totally at home in my own skin in a way that I am not usually um, when I pray. And so the contrast is that, the closing in on myself, the loss of the ability to move outward, even creatively attuning to the spirit, I feel like I have, I feel like wisdom and answers come far more naturally when anxiety is down and when I, I can attune to the spirit and Find myself be praying more for other people, prophetically even. Mm-hmm. Um and I really like the language of prayerfulness. Um, you know, the the in mindfulness language they talk about being um the goal is to to not just do mindful prayer or mindful meditation or whatever it is you do. Um, the goal is to produce mindfulness. And I love that language of prayerfulness. That's what Paul's saying when he talks about you know this idea of I pray unceasingly. It's like what I'm, you, you can't consciously pray. You know, I can't talk to you and, and I, can, I can talk to you and be in tuning to the spirit, but I can't be having words rotated in my head. It's more of a presencing. scene. And what I do is I, I have a practice of prayer that actually changes and alters my attention, my stillness, my capacity to be present, that produces a prayerfulness, that now I'm actually stepping into the presence of God in every moment of my life. That then the Spirit has so much more room to use me, to build, to grow fruit in me, and to gift me the works, the gifts of the Spirit that I can now be present with other people and be a gift to them. So, again, that's a long answer. That's great.
0: attention This is something yeah. you've spoken about in the past but can you speak briefly into that whole sort of thing that we've spoken about where we expect to have this attention for God yeah, versus we spend the rest of our times distracted and yeah. not being present but then we get really harsh on ourselves in the moment yeah can't spend more than 20 minutes and that's the practice for this week is just in whatever way people want to just spending 20 minutes half an hour giving their attention to god Um, and that Mm. for some people that will be a new thing that will be challenging to focus because culture trains to to not be able to do that we're always scrolling or flicking can you speak into that Maybe yeah. A bit of grace for, for when it
1: becomes yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, you should have immense grace on yourself because we live in a world that is dedicated to stealing your attention. Yeah. Um this beautiful piece of equipment that billions of dollars have gone into is just genuinely designed to keep your attention. Um and there's so many good books being written right now. Um, particularly in this period of time, um, that news, Netflix documentary, the social dilemma, which is swept, you know, through, and I hope it makes a substantial change instead of just becoming a talking point. But one of the things, so have grace on yourself because you have billions of dollars that are dedicated to taking your attention every single moment, right? Like that idea that you're actually, your attention is the product that, social media and this device are designed to take from you so you have to have some grace because you have the best neuroscientists in the world right some of the best researchers in the world who are dedicating every moment to say hey how can i get you on this thing more so have some grace with that really find what's taking your time and your attention because where your attention goes your energy goes and uh, I think what, what you were talking about is so important because what I noticed, I used to be a university pastor at a Christian university here in Costa Mesa. And what I found in the seven years, almost seven years that I was there, was how just in that period of time, people born from 1994 to, you know, closer to the 2000 is the quickly diminishing capacity to pay attention uh, and to and the social expectation that like, I can have headphones on and be in someone preaching or in a class that was totally normative. So what I found was there's this, there's this almost cultural norm that I own, or maybe it's an, it's a myth of expectation that I can only, I only have to really pay attention to my life in the things that are good, the things I want to be at. I can kind of, numb out most of my life i can be at work i can be writing a paper i can be have netflix on how many people literally have their tv on and are writing papers or are having a conversation they're so divided mm-hmm. but their anticipation is i only have to be fully present to things i really want to be fully present to talking uh, mm-hmm. to a
0: friend who was mentioning that they can't even or a lot of us can't even watch a tv show anymore we have yeah. to be on the phone at the same time having this double distraction
1: <laughs> i one of my friends was writing a book around um around kind of the process of um of, of busyness and hurry and their attention and and when we were talking through kind of this um how do we help people what are some practices i remember that was one of the things uh that really stood out to me as we talked i was like hey one of the things we should invite young people into is just um it's just like intentionally choosing to focus their attention on one thing. So like a spiritual practice for this generation, for me particularly, and for, you know, everyone after us is to just watch a movie without anything else in the room and then talk about it. I was like, that could be a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And I don't know people that do that, you know, but it's like, put up your phones in a, but my point is that we have to be intentional with those things because what actually happens is you realize it's more like a muscle, and the, the more that you practice being divided in your attention and attuning to what's happening, um, the less capable you are of, of of any moment being truly present. And so you get to that beautiful moment, that great date, the big moment, your, your own wedding day, where you're supposed to be nothing but like honed in on your wife walking down the aisle the first time you see her and you're just like, but you find yourself like, Oh, I can't even pay attention to this single moment. I, I'm not even capable of capturing this, the beauty. And that's where, that's where like the contemplative and meditation and prayerfulness, mindfulness, you know, Roger, Roger Brotherton has a brilliant book on Christian mindfulness. that I think I recommend to everyone. Um, he and Suzanne uh, Collicott have a book that they wrote together. And, you know, one of the things I remember is with his practice, he says that, like, you know, like just practice having a piece of fruit, right. And just, describing everything about that that builds awe into your day we are a we are a generation that has lost the capacity for awe and that that is a bummer that's a huge sad tragedy you know because i have young kids who they can get wrapped up in awe Mm -hmm. and the delight and the and the pain of life in a way that like we just kind of want to grow indifferent to it and that's even culturally acceptable just to be indifferent to things, be, you know, socially outraged to whatever the issue is, but internally indifferent. And uh, I think one answer to that is attention and limiting your phone use, limiting your, uh, you know, organizing one thing at a time, just choosing one thing at a time uh, and ordering your day that way can be a gift.
0: It's really interesting. question um, is what would you say to people who when they hear we're about to engage with prayer they're actually (coughs) not filled with excitement but they're they're filled with a bit of trepidation (laughs) yeah they've been disappointed in the past or yeah they had expectations of what prayer could mean for them but yeah like it didn't work out and actually to enter yeah. this would be a really brave thing. What, yeah. would you, what encouragement would you have for for those people?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, firstly, I'd say don't feel like you're on the outside. You're you're the majority. You know, mm. the the most seasoned prayers are the people who persist through the discontent. I actually think discontentment is. Really, the doorway into genuine prayer. Mm. If you haven't reached discontentment, being discontent, um, then uh, you probably aren't being honest. Um, and and uh, you know, it, it's actually a doorway into real health. Because um, think about like discontentment in a marriage um, or in a relationship. Um, it can produce indifference. It can produce contempt. Or it can actually bring to the surface genuine needs that have gone unmet, genuine frustrations that have gone. And what you do is you enter into real, real reality, right? And you can step into it and go, This is a place of um, anyone who's been in a relationship knows what I'm talking about, where you realize you've been walking along and you bumped into something that is like, Oh, I thought we were over here, but you're over here. Okay. We are not living in the same reality. And so prayer is a lot like that, where my expectation is, you know, most people don't experience the the, the gooey goodness of like, Oh, this is just, it's just me and Jesus. Like he's my Abba. He's, you know, a lot of people don't get to that point. Um, it happens early on and it happens in a really emotivistic environment where worship is stirred and, and maybe they have it for a season and, Um, and I think that's beautiful and I've had plenty of those seasons in my life, but you have to realize the most difficult thing in, in prayer life is to realize that we are two persons entering into relationship. So if I have the freedom to show up in different ways, God has the full freedom to show up in different ways. And sometimes there is sometimes not always, I think there's a mistake to say when every time it's dry, I've done something wrong. God is not a bad friend. He's not someone who's going to say, I'm mad at you and I'm not going to tell you why. Very unhealthy person would do that. A healthy person would say, hey, like there's a tear here and I want to invite you into how we remedy this. And if you feel that dryness, then, and you feel like maybe it's something, you know, maybe there's a, a disconnect, maybe there's a latent sin or a habit or something that's stealing your attention, your heart towards God and ask him, you know, but if not, there might be a deeper thing at work where he's. Wanting to draw you into what the abiding life looks like. Um, you know, I love the, the end of Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 40 where he says, um, but those who wait on, wait on the Lord will mount up with wings like equals. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not become tired. I may have switched the weary and tired, but I love that because in our way of thinking, it should work backwards. Like it's harder to fly than it is to walk in the human mind, right? We can't fly outside of a plane. But for the Jewish mind and for the way he writes it poetically, the third thing should be the most difficult. So what he's saying is like, yeah, man, you'll have the power to do incredible things and have amazing experiences. But the most difficult thing is to just walk and not become weary not to give up. And I think that's the prayer life is you build the habit and the regularity, just like I build date night with Jenny, because if I don't have that, I don't have a regular rhythm of connection without talking about business, talking about our kids. And I would say, encourage you to build that habit. And then what you realize is your discontentment becomes a doorway into what's real and prayer at its heart is about bringing your real needs, your real heart. This is why the Psalms are so important because the Psalms train us into bringing our worst selves before God and saying, God, I trust you. You're good and faithful. Like there's no one, there's no one else compassionate like you. You can handle this. What do you want to do with these things? And then you realize he's the safest place to handle them. And you realize he brings you along this way. And whether it's just a deep inner peace, you know, that, you know, that sense of I've trained, I've transitioned through this, the, the, highest of highs the you know if you think about a dating relationship you have these high of highs where you could talk for hours and hours your first time dating you're getting to know and that's what prayer looks like for so many people it's pretty much it's activating the mind it's i'm reading and i can't stop reading and oh jesus i just and then you realize okay there's a deeper level soaking there's less words involved and it's more about being present it's more about being still it's more about our wills meeting and um, it goes from my mind to my heart to my will. I'm actually being transformed in your presence, and I don't have words to describe it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I, I think to have take heart that that dryness is not a bad thing, um, and bring good bring your friends. Have soul friends who walk with you through it, because one of the things I've learned is my soul friendships have become deep training in relational prayer through our friendship in the in the process, our discernment together has given me a new way to talk. Oh, like, this is actually Johnny who said to me recently, we were talking about Harry Potter. And he said, he was talking about how brilliant it was. And he said that the beauty of Harry Potter is that friendship is the victory. And I just love that line. Yeah. Uh, and it really stood out to me. Um, and it gave me a new way of even thinking about prayers as this deepening a friendship that I was like, yes, just to be with your friend. And it honored it in a way that I was really grateful. I've talked too much, but yeah,
0: thank you. It's a good, it's a good almost planned segue into, uh, our groups. Oh, good. Hanging out. Oh,
1: yeah. So let it be a place, um, man, can I just pray for you guys to close? Is that okay? Yeah, please. Jesus, thank you for the gift of this communication that across the pond, across the world, um, your spirit who has been connecting us long before these devices, you've given us the ability um, to now see friends and deepen friendship. And I pray God that as we embark as beginners, always in prayer, in our own spiritual journey, God, that you would be the one leading us where we need to go. And if that is deeper into rich and robust ease in prayer, God, let it be just a balm to the soul. Let it be a delight, um, God. And if there is a season of dryness, God, I pray that you would soothe and comfort and lead, lead people with closeness and nearness, even without words, even without explanation. I pray that um, you would just be stirring a generation towards those to, to pray personally, um, cultivate that prayerfulness so that they might be useful and be a blessing to the world, God. That union with you is um, just such a gift. Thank you that you've let us come to you with full abandon as your sons and daughters in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Of course. We'll be from you throughout the year. I think so. Oh, I hope so. Thanks. uh, Thanks for inviting me. I feel privileged. Bye guys. Thanks so much.
0: thanks for listening in. I hope you found that helpful and encouraging as we go on this journey together. If you want to keep up to date with what's going on, do follow us at The Apprentice Track, all one word on Instagram. See you next time.